Welcome to the Evolvepreneur podcast channel, which is sponsored by Evolvepreneur.biz, a new online community-based platform designed to help develop your skills and knowledge to be massively successful in this new digital age. Your host today is John North, who is a three-time number one international best-selling author and strategic marketer. John's passion is to help business owners to master the online marketing world. Welcome to the Volpreneur podcast channel. Today's special guest is Tara B, who at the age of six started singing publicly. She joined her family concerts around small towns in Minnesota and Canada, and at age 15, her brother took off and branched into a duo, which later turned into a band in college. After getting a BA in music, she branched out into more solo ventures, which landed on classic jazz and Broadway. During her years as an artist, she recorded six albums and did a voiceover work and taught regularly as a voice and piano instructor. She continues today to be an online booking mentor coach and recently added the role of podcasting as well. Welcome, Tara, to the show. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. <laughs> and we had a bit of fun offline. In fact, we probably almost recorded an entire podcast interview, which I hit the record button before we even started. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> so t- looking at your bio, like you started at six um, and you took your public singing career took off when you first joined the family to do concerts around small towns in Minnesota and Canada. So age 15, she and her brother branched out in a duo and which later turned into a band in the college. After getting a BA in music, she branched out in more solo ventures, which landed her in classic jazz and Broadway genres. During her years as an artist, she's recorded six albums, did a voiceover work and taught regularly as a voice and piano instructor. Well, wow, I'm totally useless with music. Like I can listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so she continues on as an online booking mentor coach and recently added the role of podcast as well, which is pretty cool. Um, so tell me what you're doing now. So you're basically, because that's a lot, right? <laughs> a lot of stuff. It is a lot. <laughs> what do you do on your day gig? <laughs> is that your day? Um, yeah, I have, you know, I, I have a bunch of things that I'm doing, but I, I do about 150 shows a year, like where right. I'm singing. Okay. And then, um, and that actually, it's funny, that is more of a day gig, believe it or not, because a lot of those are to senior, whoops, senior citizens. <laughs> okay. And um, so I have that. Then I also teach some private lessons mm-hmm. and mostly adults. And then I have um, online, I just started last year, no, it's not last year, two years ago, a course on teaching people how to book gigs. Right. And that turned into also a membership group. So I have a membership group of people booking gigs. And then I just started my podcast in January on the voice on things about like teaching this with the singing voice. No. So I, it's kind of these different branches of being an entertainer, mm. um, a coach, teacher, and, you know, training and specifically booking and also the voice. So and I love it. Yeah. So it's like a tree <laughs> with lots of branches. It's like the typical yes. entrepreneur sort of track. We'll talk about that as we go along, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so um, okay. So basically something we talked about before was, you know, it's probably a good place to start is that, you know, most people and particularly entertainers have this theory of that they'll be discovered. Like, you know, like in software, if you build it, they will come, um, which I've found out that doesn't really work that way. So <laughs> I'm guessing it doesn't work the same way as you think you're going to be a great singer. So someone's going to discover you. Mm-hmm. Happens. So I'm, I'm guessing a lot of artists get caught in that. They do. And I was one of them. <laughs> I, I honestly, in my twenties, like I, after college, um, I had my music degree. I was in vocal performance and then I was in a band with my brother at the time and a bunch of other guys. And I think we just kind of thought, well, we'll get out and we'll do gigs and, you know, we'll somehow get a record label discovering mm-hmm. us. 
And, um, and we, we did have some success. We did sing at some festivals that were kind of well-known in, in like the Christian music industry. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and, and my brother and I even got like a songwriting contract for a song that we had written, I think right around age, I don't know, it was in the 80s <laughs> a long time ago, but all to say, you know, those things, nothing ever like panned out into mm. what I thought was going to be this like career of touring the country and um, having record deals. And um, it would I, have been a lot I learned back then too, wouldn't it? Like, I mean, I was talking, I think it was, I think it was one of the other voice cases I was talking about before. She, she said that previously you had to spend a lot of money, like to build a tape and send out a tape in the mail and all sort of stuff. So it was much, much harder back then than it is now. Oh yeah. I mean, we're talking like looking in the yellow pages and the white pages. There was no internet. There was, there was no cell phone. So everything long distance was expensive and you know, we mailed, yeah, cassette tapes and we mailed them out to people and, and the follow-up was kind of difficult because it was the long distance or whatever. It just, it was a hard time, but it was a good time too. I mean, I'm, I will say those early days of having to book um, was really good for me to realize it's actually work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. <Yeah>. Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess you never actually really got discovered as such. <laughs> I did not. You know, it's kind of interesting. I have a story that I had gone down, I think when I was 23, I went down to Nashville and it was for a week long. Um, I'd call it like a seminar business week. And I kind of got to know the business down there it was like put out by a producer in Nashville. It was called Dulos. It was like the school for a week. And we learned how to do booking. And we went to, we met some A&R people at the record companies. Um, I, I don't even remember all that was involved, mm. but the last day he had us, if we wanted to book a session with him to sing for him, and then he would kind of, you know, see what we were like. Well, when I sang for him, he, he was just really excited. And he's like, you know what? You just have that it Thing. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> and, and he said, you know, but if you could move down to Nashville here, he said, I could definitely help you out. I could help you out finding producers, et cetera. But just at the time, honestly, I was just too scared. And I, I was like, I can't do that. I, I can't leave my band behind. <laughs> Mm. And, and I just, well, at that point in my life, I was not really as much oh, yeah. of a risk taker. Yeah. That all came later. Mm. So. Oh. And I blew it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking about stuff you took. So you, so, so you're an introvert? Yes, I am. Mm. <laughs> Very much. And it's funny. I, I, it's, it seems like a lot of entertainers are introverts, it seems. I know. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting thing because as I've grown older, I've realized a lot of people too think that introverts are totally shy. Mm. Well, it's true. I, I was shy when I was younger, but it doesn't necessarily mean because you're an introvert that you're shy. It just often means that you just need that alone time to fuel. Mm. And, and so performing, um, being in front of people has never really bothered me. I think partly because I did it from so young an age, mm. but I think also because now I've realized like, when you're on stage with people, you're just having a conversation and one-on-one -on -one conversations I love as an introvert. Mm. So, you know, if I can get myself mm. in that mindset and I think a lot of introverts do that when they are, uh, sorry, entertainers. Mm. And that's been really helpful for me to just think of it that way of, so it's not so scary. And, and actually I like connecting with people. It's not like I don't. Mm. I think it's it's funny, like it's, I think I'll say with the introverts, I think um, when they're performing or doing speech, they're, they're thinking about the audience more than themselves. 
Yes. And so they end up, it's in some respects, you know, it depends on the presentation. Like, you know, some people are obviously extroverts and they, they kind of more care about themselves and what's going on. Some more care about their, you know, ego. So end of the day, they're not thinking about the audience, but they're thinking about themselves, but that's a different kind of presentation. So I actually did a, I'm doing a Tony Robbins, um, Thing that they actually just blew up the internet with like 16,000 members joined in like two days or something crazy. Wow. <laughs> and, and the thing was talking in there about, and, and Tony Robbins is talking about it, he's saying, why did, you know, you get worried about talking to people and, and that sort of stuff. And he said, you know, what you've got to think about is that you're serving people, but you're not actually, it's not about you at all. Um, and yes. when you start thinking it's not you about you anymore, you, you don't have that self-awareness so much. Thinking about, oh, they're looking at me, they're thinking about me. What they're really thinking is, thank God I'm not on that stage. <laughs> you know they're not thinking about you know what's going on what's happening with you so i think having that shift that as you call it, you know like realizing that you you know what you're doing and i think that's a and in that group and you probably see in other places the people have got such a, a sort of a, a blocker on that that they can't do it that they're too shy or they can't do it on you know they can't talk to people yes uh, that they're focusing way too much on themselves that's the problem it's true. It's that self-conscious behavior of like, what are people going to think of me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I even remember a gig that I did with my brother. This was one, again, when I was in my twenties mm -hmm. and his, he, at the time he was playing electric guitar. He plays upright bass now, but one of his guitar strings broke right. and like right in the middle of the concert. And he's like, Tara, you're going to have to stall them. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to say to people because I kept thinking they were all looking at me. And, <laughs> You know, so and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and thankfully, like our bass player at the time, he, he was pretty, you know, chatty. And so he kind of took over. But I remember that panicky feeling. Mm. But it was because I was way too concerned about what people would think of me. Mm. And now, with, like, I just had something happen last week at a gig. I was playing and I had a, a stand that was on my keyboard. And it's one of those that can kind of come loose. Mm. And the whole thing literally whacked <laughs> off, like right in the middle of a song. And so I just thought, Oh, well, I got up, I picked it up and I told the people, I said, I was just seeing if you guys were awake. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. It's all part of the show. Like I do it every week. Like <laughs> I probably wouldn't know the difference, right? Most people don't even know. Yeah. Going yeah. On. Well, that's scary. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, having, having awareness of what's going on. And, and uh, there's a, a friend of mine that actually does, he teaches people how to speak. And mm. what they do is they actually speak at unusual places, like jumping out of a plane in a shark tank, <laughs> Um, you know, in, in a crowded, you know, like I think takes from a crowded bar. And the idea is that if they can talk in those environments, then they can talk anywhere and nothing will phase you. That's great. And so it's, I love pretty, that. it's a pretty big experience, like, you know, to be able to do it, but he takes them to these, like puts them in a shark tank, you know, like sharks around them that actually do their talk. Right? <laughs> and it's like crazy stuff. People make 20 grand for this thing. but <laughs> Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? But when you think about it, that's over time, that's what a, a speaker will have to do. They have to put up with all sorts of things going wrong. I mean, I think my first introduction to speaking was I somehow crazy decided I was going to run this event when I was way back. I was only about 25, I think. Oh, um, wow. And I decided to run this event and I, I suffered from success. <laughs> and, and so what happened was we thought about 100 people coming to this, this uh -huh. thing. 300 people showed up. <laughs> And they overwhelmed us. Like we had enough room, luckily, to fit them in because we had the ballroom, but we never intended that sort of size. So everything fell apart, like the entire, oh. you know. And so anyway, I had to get up in front of 250 people. And that's the most people I've ever spoken to in the world in my life. And 
it cured me of public speaking because <laughs> from that point on was like when you look out and see 250 people looking at you you know like, <laughs> it's like you realize they're not paying attention to what you're saying anyway so but then in the base like they're just but it's crazy like a, a sort of baptism by fire if you like um but and I've got an event next week that we've got a, that I'm running for a client. And I said, look, I'll tell you what will happen is you can run an event and suffer from success. Because <laughs> if you don't, you get too many people show up and you overwhelm yourself and suddenly the whole system yeah. falls apart and you're in trouble as opposed to one person. I've had it happen the other way too. We had an event in Perth for account. We're doing accounting software and basically one person showed up, one accountant. That was it. So <laughs> guess what? you know what we did? We did the presentation. <laughs> It's like, man, you're here, you might as well hear it, <laughs> you know. So, you know, it can be one person or too many people, but at the end of the day, you just do it anyway. It's true. And you just, I've learned that too. It's like you treat the people who are there as important. Mm. And because I've done that too. I had, in fact, I had a guy at a gig just yes, no, it was two days ago, I think. And he said to me, he had gotten there early and he said, what if I'm the only one that's here? And I said, well, then I'll sing for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you pay a lot of money for that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> But, and I have, I've sung for as few as three people and, you know, for as many as thousands. So mm. it, it just, but it's, it's learning. I've realized just learning to give and the word I like that Tony said was serve. Yeah. That's really exactly. what I'm trying to think of in my business. No matter what I'm doing is like, how can I serve people? How can they come away? You know, whether I'm doing, um, coaching or, um, singing or whatever, I just always, my, my personal goal is to make sure that people come away a little bit better than or leave yeah. better than you know they can you left them better than they were yeah yeah to yeah. just encourage because we need that i i mm. i think our world has a lot of negativity and if i can bring something positive to it it's like i really want to <laughs> and i think one of my bees in my bonnet is um with marketing is the customer journey like people never think mm. about they never think about what how will the customer what will the customer do when they first get come to you what will they do then what will they do then and I think people forget that and that experience is what people pay for. Absolutely. They go to the movies, right? They go to the movies. Right. They go for the experience. Yeah. Yeah, makes them feel. So, hmm. so um, tell me a little bit about going from a musician to an entrepreneur because, I mean, we talked about that before where you're good <laughs> at what you do. So the old, it's a book called Entrepreneurial Myth. Some people have read it. Some, you know, a lot of people read it. Some people have never heard of it. But that book talks about the concept of being a specialist in something, thinking you're good at it. So why not go into business and do it? And then you find out that it's not quite as easy as I think it is to do that. Um, yeah. So tell me a bit about that, about your journey there. Well, you know, I think even because I went to college and I got my degree in music, I think I sort of just thought, as I said earlier, that it would kind of fall into my hands and you know, that something would show up. And in, in college, I have to, and I, I'm not putting down college for this because I think college is great. Um, but in, in, as a music major, it was all about just learning your craft. It had nothing to do with like actual business or mm. marketing or anything else. And, and I didn't even really realize that I needed that until I, I kind of, you know, found out by the time I was in my thirties, it was like, I'm just not, really getting anywhere. Nobody's discovered me. I'm getting older. You know, what do I do with this? <laughs> and so um, I, I still didn't have probably the business skills yet in my early 30s, but that's when I shifted and started singing uh, to the senior population. I just kind of tried it out. I wasn't necessarily trying to go there, but I found out it was this huge market. Mm -hmm. And especially here in Minnesota, we have a lot of centurions like people living till they're a hundred and 
The people live a long time here. Wow. <laughs> it's all the cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can survive the cold. Um, <laughs> survive that's like the strongest to survive. <laughs> right. So um, that kind of started it for me, but it, it honestly was, it's kind of funny, but I, I love how um, this was used in my life. But I dated a guy in my late thirties who was an entrepreneur and that, and he helped people become entrepreneurs. Right. And he, he was very, very supportive of my singing. And so he was trying to get me to think in new ways, like Tara, what could you do with this? Like even your teaching voice or your concerts, like what could you actually do that might be different and might get you some money in a better way for you. And so even just through him, he kind of helped me work through writing a business plan. And the other thing was just, he encouraged me in the voice part to help with, to start doing like voice presentations, like helping people with their presentations mm -hmm. specifically on the voice. So I started doing that actually, uh, for a couple of years and it was just a whole new field for me. And, but it got me in that mode of, wait a minute, there's opportunity here, first of all. Mm -hmm. And how can I look at this to plan for? I had always been so scared of like, you know, when they ask you questions like, what are you going to be doing in five years? Or, you know, and I was scared to like put anything out there. I, I felt like if I, you know, put a definite thing down that somehow I was not going to be able to do all these other things. And I've realized now that actually, I mean, I know I still have like a three pronged thing to my own business, mm -hmm. but it's much more specific of what I'm doing, even with like my podcast it's not on just the voice, like it's not just speaking voice, it's actually specifically to the singing voice. So I found too that honing and, and make, uh, simplifying, I guess, being yeah. more specific mm. in business is much more helpful to your audience too, because yes. you just yes. have to find the if right one. Confused, Do you find that? You're confused, yeah. I find we, we do a lot of marketing clients and we find if they're confused, which they typically are, their customers <laughs> are confused, right? It's like, you're confused about what you do. <laughs> well, that's what the outside world probably thinks about, you know, like that. It's actually funny about business plans. I've probably been written one for a long time, but um, I tend to like a one page thing now. But I wrote a business yeah. plan when I first started and I went and saw this guy. Um, I don't know how it happened, but basically this guy came and did some consulting because I was about to start my own first business and I, I worked for a bank and I was going to start this IT business up. And he came and saw me for about an hour and he charged me like, I don't know, $500 or something crazy. It was a long time ago. It was a lot of money. <laughs> And, and one of the things he said to me, he says, how much are you going to charge? And he's, I said, oh, probably about 30, probably $30 an hour or something like that. And he said, uh, make it 60, uh, you know, and I go, that's a lot. And he said, yeah, but you can always come down. <laughs> he so said, true. when you're 30, you go a long way down, like you're going to cost you money. So anyway, I said, okay, 60. So the guy said to me, like, would you pay attention to me if I charge any less money? Because I said, I can't afford that, like $500. And he goes, if I hadn't charged you, you wouldn't have paid any attention. And what are you going to charge? I said, I'm going to charge 60. And he said, you know, I charged to hurt you. And you're going to pay attention to what I said. <laughs> and it was interesting. In the end, I ended up charging 80. Um, and we came down from that. And so that was uh, probably worth $100,000, you know, and a decision that cost me $500 to get. But, but then I wrote a business plan because my sister was going to put some money in the business. And she never did. But I wrote this plan and how I was going to charge, what I was going to do, all this sort of stuff. And I stuck it in the bottom drawer and I never looked at it again for like two years. <laughs> um, I, wrote, I actually found it one day. So I pulled it out. Oh, okay. I read this. I don't even write in this thing. I read it and read and realized that almost everything in the plan had come true. Wow. Right? That's pretty and cool. 
right? That's and cool. I haven't looked at that plan at all, but I put in my mind what I wanted. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and most people say their bottom drawer is the most educated drawer they've got. Right? <laughs> right, they stick everything in there. And, and so I don't have any drawers anymore. I actually don't have in my desk, I've got one spot for things. I find drawers are very dangerous. When we had staff, we actually we used to build um, <laughs> things and not have let them have drawers because anything that's in the drawer was never going to be seen again. Right. So, so it's funny. It's like if you sit down and write down what you want and people think, oh, I'm gonna, as you say, you've got the business plan will lock me in. It doesn't really lock you in. It just gets that foundation right that you can yes. grow from rather than just winging it. I agree. And I, and I think that's what I learned to do too. Like even he had me doing a fairly intensive one. Now when I have a business plan, yeah, it's pretty short. Mm. Yeah. It's more of that mission and vision statement, but just, it's also something I can come back to, to kind of know like, wait a minute, what is my mission for this? Or what is my vision for this? And then it helps me to check in. But yeah, it didn't, to me, it didn't limit me. It actually solidified and gave me something to focus on. Mm. And um, yeah, so I think that was just so helpful. And now through the past years, even just online, because I, I'm taking courses online, like all the time, even if mm. it's like freebie things. Yeah. Um, I'm constantly, because I want to hear. I'm a bit of a junkie. Yeah. I've got lots of courses. And, and I always <laughs> say, one thing I would say to people is if you buy a course, intend to finish it. Mm -hmm. right? Don't just oh, buy for it. Sure. Like make, make yourself a personal deal that you will finish the course. And there's only one course I never finished because I found it so confusing. But <laughs> I got a fair way through it. But it's just like, it's, this thing is just, it's, it's, and it's a fairly well-known guy in the industry, but I cannot get through that course. And it's any course I can't sure. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's just confusing. There's too much to it. Like he's too much trying to make it simple and made it complicated, you know? And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah. So I noticed what you're talking about, we found it, found each other in the Mueller group, which is um, Rachel Miller's group, which is, yeah. an, which is an interesting sort of group. We joined up because it's got some, some great stuff on Facebook. It and does. So did you start your membership stuff after that course or did you, is it something you, were, you had a course and you wanted to try and think? I think her stuff's quite good for that. Well, it's kind of crazy because I'll just back, whoops, I'll back up a little bit. I keep hitting my, my mic. I know. <laughs> um, so about two years ago, I had taken a free course from James Wedmore and that was on oh, yes. how to do a course. I actually got yep. stuff, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so I did that and then I started this course and I kind of did it in with another lady who um, I did it like as a... Uh, partnership with her who I'm still doing. It's, it's awesome. She has a ton of followers as musicians. She's a fellow entrepreneur musician and um, had like the Facebook following and things that I did not. Yeah. But so it was great partnering with her and it's opened up so many avenues. But the point is, so I did that course um, I, and I launched in like three months. I mean, I don't even still know how I pulled it together. I think my body about died that year. <laughs> <laughs> I did, a, I did a virtual summit. I know what you're thinking. Like three months of my life, I'll never get back. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. That's kind of how I felt. But, um, but it was awesome because it got me on it. And yeah. then, and I only launch a couple of times a year because sometimes that, you know, if you have it open all the time too, it's like people don't, I don't know. I just find it, it works better for me to have mm -hmm. it at different times. It's more of like a lead up or a build up for it. Yeah. And so that happened. And then after I had done it for uh, just over a year, no, it wasn't even a full year that the last group of, of um, people that were with me, they, they kept saying like, well, we don't really want this to end. Cause I would do besides the course, I would have a Facebook group for them. And they're like, what do we do? And at that time I had also just taken kind of the free section of Stu McLaren's membership I think he calls it tribe, but I didn't well, do yeah, his that as well. So we must right. be, we must be bloody mutual members of the whole other stuff. 
So, but because he, you know, I put that in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe I should try a membership group. And he kind of was this whole, like, you know, just even if you've never done it, why not try it? If you've got people that want more yeah. follow-ups. So I basically just kind of tried it and asked the women that were in the group. And I think I started with nine people and it's grown from there. Like after every launch now, the membership group keeps growing too. So it's, it's been so cool to see mm -hmm. how, you know, one thing online leads to another. And I'm seeing now the opportunity online that it's like huge. Mm. Um, it's just my learning curve was also huge yeah, to yeah. learn how to do a lot of the technical stuff. So there's a lot of, there's learning. A lot of moving parts to it. Like, um, yes. <laughs> and so part of the reason why we build our own, actually build our own platform for this is that what we discovered is that courses and communities that need to intertwine Yes. And so that's the biggest missing piece of the puzzle, which we're working on now is to be able to integrate that course and community together. Mm -hmm. Because relying on Facebook's great, but your group could shut down tomorrow. Facebook could just decide and that's it. Exactly. And so then right. you've got no way to communicate with the customers outside email. Like you've lost that whole approach to them. So I think part of the problem is, is that trying to get that, all those moving parts together, keep it organized. And then if you've got a small number, mm -hmm. unless you're charging really good money, it's not going to be, economic viable have extra people working on it so you kind of got to do it all yourself and, and <laughs> you know i find that people get overwhelmed with that um, trying to get hold of all that sort of tech as you said all the techie stuff is the hard part for me it is and and i kind of just delved into it because part of me wanted to learn and i i wanted to do something online and i kind of mm. knew that that was going to be good for the future to mm. learn it Mm. And I've, I've, I've never really shied away from, I mean, even if something scares me, it's like, no, I want to do it anyway, because I, I don't want to be one of those people that are like, well, I won't, you know, learn that thing or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so it, it was awesome to do that. Um, but you're right. It's, it's, you know, the whole thing, like I have my course actually on a, a site member vault and okay. that's where I host the course on. Mm. And then we have zoom meetings as well mm. with the group. So, cause I've, and their emails and everything. Cause I've, I've keep hearing too, that like email really is one of the ways that you've got to be getting from people mm. and connecting. Cause like you said, Facebook could be gone. I mean, they're going to be making changes anyway this year. Well, they're I don't even know how they're taking away the feed. Yeah. That's what I've heard too. Bizarre, cause going back to where it was before, cause Facebook, I'm actually reading a book called Zucked at the moment. It's an interesting read. And wow. basically it talks about the concept that when they first started, they didn't have a feed. Oh, really? Yeah, there was no feed. It was just everybody had profiles and people, so I don't know how, I didn't know, I would have joined Facebook, I don't even remember back then. But <laughs> I think basically you just found people somehow, you did a search and you found them and looked at their profile and that's pretty much all you did. Okay. And so it's funny that, and so I think the, the move is that they think messaging is the, is the new future. I've it's heard that. The feed, it's about that personal relationship and that messaging. Um, and again, that's, you're going to lose your actual connection with that person. If you get dropped off Facebook or whatever, because they've got so much power over you and just stop you from doing anything I like. It happens all the time. So <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah, it's, it's a funny kind of movement towards people getting tired of certain things over time. And I think over, and part of the interesting thing is recently we're running this event and we started SMSing and right. SMS has got a hundred percent read rate. Because no one leaves their SMS unread, right? Yeah. It's game, they've gamified phones so much now that basically you will not let that red thing stay very long on your SMS because it could be important. It could be the bank calling you, for example, right? Um, and so it's interesting that immediacy they want. If you SMS them, they will go, but they get really cranky with you as well, right? <laughs> because how dare you SMS me? This does cost you money. 
something that's cost you money. So yeah, that kind of interruption is only if someone really wants to be interrupted because they like you. If they don't mm -hmm. like you, then it's almost like, you know, and we get a lot, a lot of it. And I think what people do is they take it personally. So two things I always tell clients is don't make it so complicated in the start. Like the reality is you could probably start a business tomorrow and just use Zoom and that's it. Right. You can just run a website, go there, or don't have a website, just have a sign-up page for Zoom, sign people mm -hmm. up and, and do one-on-ones or whatever. Um, as opposed to thinking about this massive system you've got to build to make it work. And I think that's the dangerous thing is that they get caught up in that trying to make this thing perfect to start with. And then simply just make sure you capture your email addresses and, and start a conversation with them somehow. You know, well, and I'm, I'm wondering too if LinkedIn is going to be more that way, that it's just connecting with people. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we, I probably built, I think I did, we got a thing where we did a program test where we actually got um, uh, 15 new authors in 90 days off LinkedIn. And so wow. we, it's pretty simple, really. Like we've got, we've got specialized software that I have to show you, I have to kill you if I show you. But um, <laughs> the, the software is designed to do everything um, for, a, for an automation process, which number one, you're not supposed to do on LinkedIn anyway. But um, the reality is what the method works the same way if you do it manually. And that is connect to people and send them a message. And so tell them a little bit about you, about, you know, ask them to engage with you and start a conversation. And then I give away a copy of my book for free. And then they go on the email list and we start a conversation. And we just say, would you like a book and appointment? That's as simple as that. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we did like um, 150 grand, I think it was, in, in 90 days just doing that. Wow. Um, and, it's, and, it's not, and that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it doesn't have to be as complicated as people think it needs to be, right? You just, people are people. You just got to figure out how to connect to them and start a conversation. That is true. You know, I've even found that with... Uh because now I've been podcasting for mm. six months or so. And it, mm. when I'm interviewing people and writing to them, you know, to get people on the show, it's, it's, mm. I'm finally realizing that it's like, they're just people, mm. you know, they're, it's, they're no different than me really. I mean, yes, I know some of their businesses might be different or practices like when I interviewed this doctor, but it, it's mm. like, it's, it's just people. And, and here's the one thing I think I've really learned through the years is like, you know, I might get a no, but I also mm. might get a yes. So yeah. to me, it's like, if, if I don't, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, if I don't, if I don't hear a straight out, no, a lot mm -hmm. of times I just keep trying because yeah, I think, mm. you know, yeah. it's worked. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing about it is that particularly podcasting, like as a strategy to get clients. Mm -hmm. um, I started one, when, when I first learned how to do po I'll try podcasting, I thought I'm, bit, I'm not going to take a risk here. I'm actually going to do it face to face. Right. So I started this business in the Hills podcast thing where I interviewed people. My theory was I was going to get authors out of the troubles. I realized that most people around here can't afford me. So it was the end of that. But what I did is I learned a lot of stuff because basically they'd never done podcasting. And I was only, and I was only one, like there's a movie called um, that, that where that guy, I think it's famous who that guy actually pretends to be all these different people, you know, catch me if you can. And one of the questions he was always asked was um, how the hell did you actually become a college professor and how did you teach how did you trick people into that? And he said, I was just, I just want one week ahead of them. And so um, that's what we had to be. And so basically that's what I was. I was like one podcast interview ahead of this guy, the first guy, and then a couple ahead of the next guy. So by the time I looked at 10, I was actually looked like I knew what I was doing. And, and so at the end of the day is like, if you can just get hold of people and talk to people on podcasting and, and virtually no one will say no to it. Mm -hmm. you know, unless they're busy or they just some reason they've got some something against you maybe i don't know they like the podcast but most of the time they'll just they'll say yes i mean i've never had anybody say no to a podcast if you can get to the person 
um, right. to do a podcast interview because everyone likes yeah. to do themselves, right? They'll, they'll right. Really hours on end, you know? <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I, you know, I, I even found that whole thing of like, uh, not worrying about people saying no. I, I've used that mm-hmm. motto in just booking people in general, like for gigs too. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. It's like, I go after it. And if I don't hear anything, I mean, I'm not going to be obnoxious with people, mm-hmm. but I follow up. I just keep following mm-hmm. up and try to build that relationship. And I think that's one thing I've learned too, through the years that I had no clue about. It's like really business is about building relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And, and if you do that, consistently, you're going to get great clients. You're going to get people that it's, it's your tribe. That's the other mm. thing I found. It's like, yeah, some people aren't going to take me and that's fine, mm. but they're, they're not my customers. That's what I always tell the, the ladies I mm. mentor. It's like, you know, they're not your customers. If, if they're saying no, that means that there's somebody else that'll probably say yes. Well, I, with this podcast, it's an interesting thing. Like with the, sorry, with this uh, promotion we're doing, um, I had an email yesterday from someone who said, I'm coming to the event, but if you get email and SMS, SMS me anymore, I'm not coming. So I go, well, we're going to try and sell you stuff, right? So we're going to email you stuff. So, okay, unsubscribe. So I just unsubscribed her from everything. Sure. Because she's not a customer. Like she, she thinks she's doing, you know, like, I don't know, making a stand. I don't know what it is. But the reality right. is, not my customer. I don't care. Goodbye. All right? Absolutely. And, decision and saying no is on the other way, the business actually. It's interesting. I'd what I find a lot of startup entrepreneurs say yes too much. Oh, so, to, do you mean to like everything? To, <laughs> <laughs> everything right? Yes to advertising in, in, you know, yellow pages. Let's say I actually saw an ad on TV for the yellow pages. The other day. I thought it was funny. Um, but the thing was, you know, I mean, like they say yes to too many things without thinking about it. So I say, wait, if it's a bigger decision, wait till tomorrow and say, maybe yes. and tomorrow make a decision. Don't just mm-hmm. say yes right now. Because when I look back, most of the times when I said yes was a bad idea, I should have thought about it more before I said yes, and I probably would end up saying no. So saying no more, sometimes I no to that customer. I'm not taking that customer, no. He's not right. my customer. I'm not trying to turn him into someone who's going to be a customer and then just cost too much money. <laughs> well, it does, and too much effort too, too mm. much time and effort. Yeah, you know? yeah. Less is more. <laughs> yes. Good saying. No, it- it really is. You know, I, I, I know what you're saying though about entrepreneurs and that we do tend to say yes, like too often. And I even did that like with gigs in the past. I'd kind of just anything, if it came mm. in, I'd be like, okay, well, if you can only pay me that, well, this is what I want to get, but I guess you can only pay me that. So sure. You know, and now it's like, no, I want to be strategic about the things that I'm taking so that I actually like what I'm doing and that I have people value me. Cause yes. I think so often, um, even as whether you're creatives, you know, in, in that field or whatever, but just being in business yourself, I think a lot of times we don't feel like we're worthy somehow yep. of charging or whatever. And it's like, that's not true. If we have a skill set, even if we know, like you say, one more week, you're an expert. I mean, well, it's, it's kind of true. You know more that you can give to them. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's providing uh, value actually to people's lives. And I have to remind myself of that, that it's like, no, I'm providing value. So the right person is going to see that value. And they do, you know, I've got people that see it, book me, um, whether it's for, you know, coaching them or whether it's for singing for them, but either way, it's like, I'm finding those people through the years as, as I keep, you know, having good relationships. It's like, I find the ones that I want to stick with. Mm. And then there's some that I don't, some I've just let go of. Cause it's like, this isn't serving. Yeah. And I think the, well either. the best thing in, in entrepreneurs, I think is, and I've got a whole list of things on these days. I'm going to write it up. So I'm going to put it on the wall, but basically it says do business with who you want to do when, in the way you want to do it. And oh, love it. 
you know, and I think that's the thing about entrepreneurs forget is that you, you don't have to do business with everybody. You do business with people you want to do business with. If you don't do, like there'll be somebody tomorrow who want to do business with you. So it's not like you have to look around, but I think the having your own price for us, you know, when I talk to someone and we talk about how much it's going to cost to produce a book, you know, I have this theory, right? Um, one third of the people have got the money. One third of people can get the money. One third of people will never have the money. Mm. So reality is that last third, just forget about them because they'll never have the money anyway. So don't even try and sell to them. Try and discount is the biggest thing you can ever do badly because that'll just lower the expectations completely. And so yes, that's two thirds of the people you talk to can, can get the money or have the money. Focus mm -hmm. on those. Don't think, focus on people that don't have money because it's mm -hmm. like poor people is not a good idea because they'll never, you know, you'll never make any money out of that. So I think you've got to be very strategic about who you do and, and, and yeah, saying no more, I think is, it's worth, you know, obviously you've got to say yes to good stuff, but sometimes say, yeah. sometimes you say yes to something. It's a great idea. I've done that. I called me a million dollars. I said yes to something. It cost me a million dollars. Um, wow. And, and look back and I thought, if I checked these guys' financials, if I did a little more due diligence, I wouldn't have cost me a million dollars. <laughs> I said yes way too quickly because it sounded like a good deal. Mm -hmm. you know, we turned it into a nearly a $5 million business and it cost me a million dollars. So, um, because I said yes too quick, like I should have looked yes. a bit more, but that's what happens over time. You get that experience level going, you can pick it better. Like today I would have picked that straight away. I would have said, you know, I was only young then, 30 something. Right. Um, you know, you're trying to, you know, and you said yes to everything. And so I said, yeah, let's, let's merge our businesses. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what the worst could happen? It cost me a million dollars. Wow. Um, so mm, scary. Well, time. you're right though. We, I mean, we learn, we learn through that experience and, and knowing, and I, I know now too, for me, like even with, um, with clients, like for gigs, especially when I'm booking those, mm. I've, I've just realized that, you know, I'm even, even keeping to who I am as a musician. Like I've had people sometimes say, so I, I do classic jazz and, and Broadway. And that really is my mainstay. It's the old mm. stuff. It's like, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. And I've had people say like, well, can you do like a Mardi Gras show? Or can you do this, you know, or do you do Johnny Cash? <laughs> right. And I'm thinking, okay, I like Johnny Cash, but I, you know, I'm like, no, this is who I am. Like, this yeah. is what I bring to you. And, with someone else they like. <laughs> right. So it's, and I know it's easy, you know, I've seen this with people where it's like, well, they want business from people. So they kind of mm -hmm. want to change to become that you know, mm. what that person is. And it's like, no, just, I, I've, I've realized that, I mean, the hard way, but finally at mm. the stage of life, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like it's, it's almost like when you get older, you feel like you should be reversed, right? It should be the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually quite interesting. Just thinking, talking about, you know, lowering stuff. I think you know, when you think about school, right, when you, and everybody's probably done this, I would imagine is that you get to do the class presentation on something and and usually it's something you're supposed to know about. So you go research it and you do it and mm -hmm. you do that class presentation. So everyone in a class now thinks you're an expert on that. And the reality is you read some books and made some notes and stuff. So the reality is, is that you got, you know, schools and nothing else teaches you the concept of that you can quickly become an expert on something enough to, you know, con about 10, 10 year olds that you know what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> and so, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like, that's the biggest thing that I think with entrepreneurs is they don't, like you said, don't understand their value, what they're worth. They don't charge what they're worth. Um, and a lot of a lot of times the best way to increase that is double your price tomorrow. 
Yeah. Just double your price tomorrow. I'll tell you one, two, two things will happen. You make more money, but also you get much better at sales. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning that. I'm, and I'm actually like revamping my whole uh, first course, mm. um, which I do have a, another high schooler helping me with. It's amazing the technology that they know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're not scared of it, right? They're not scared of it. They're not. <laughs> it's but, like, well, it doesn't matter, you know. Right. But the cool part of doing it is partly just because I feel like, you know what? What I have is worth actually a lot of stuff. And so I'm raising my price next fall yeah. too. And that, that just feels good because I feel like, you know what? I've been at this for a while. I actually know something. Yeah. And I think making an impact, right? So you, you've moved yes. from, to a degree, like making an impact with someone. And part of that Tony Robbins stuff was very interesting because um, that course they, they launched, um, the mastermind course was basically people said, well, these guys have got billion dollar businesses. They don't need the money. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the money. It's about the impact they can make. And I think which that's is really, awesome, which is, it's far better. Like when I get someone that says they've read my book and they've done stuff in the yes. book, that's massive, that's worth more than anything because they actually paid attention to it. Right. right. I think getting some sort of impact with people is, is far more valuable than anything else. The more people you impact, the more you more money you make as a result. Right, but I, I like that, and, and for me, it's it gives me purpose too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if I just made money or whatever. I mean, it's like no, I'm actually doing something, things that I really love, I really enjoy, I like learning about, and then I'm connecting with people. Like I love that I'm connecting with people all over the world. That is so fun for me. And then, like you say, to see, you know, them growing and their businesses starting to blossom, their music business, it's really fun to see that, mm. that, yes. that because of something I've shared, you know, it's like, oh, they're doing the stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's to what I tell them, right? It's just funny when people pay attention to what you say sometimes. You think, well, be, be careful. Like kids, right? You've got to be really careful what you say because they will repeat it back to you. Yes. <laughs> you go, you weren't listening, right? It's my son sometimes I have these conversations and next week he said, I did that. And I'm going, you actually listening to me. <laughs> you realize, notice, right? <laughs> so because people are listening, right? <laughs> it's uh, true. Yeah. So um, put you in a bit of a hot seat now. If you, if you looked at your, put yourself like your future self, if you like. So when you were younger and you looked at what would, what was one piece of advice to give yourself when you were younger? Like, like if I looked back yeah, to tell my really younger young. self. What's the one piece of advice you'd give yourself? A, I think I would just say, stop being so self-conscious and what people think about you. Because mm. I think that was huge. And, I, and, and, and stop the comparison game. Because mm -hmm. I was as a, well, as a teenager, I mean, teenagers are, go through their stuff. But yeah. I mean, even in, <laughs> even in my 20s, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, I just, I think I would tell myself, like, don't, don't worry about what other people are doing. Like just be who you are and own it and don't be so afraid of that. Mm. Um, Cause I, I think that I really, that was hard for me. I was comparing myself a lot. And I think the other thing I would just say is that there is opportunity. Mm. I had a little bit of the scarcity mentality. Mm. Um, some of it was just from growing up. Uh, my father is a pastor actually. And so, uh, and my mom her dad was a pastor. So it's like they grew up in these families where everything was like ministry, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just when it comes to like business, um, they, it was never like, well, you shouldn't really ask people for money and you shouldn't really charge this or, you know, I mean, not that they really said that, but it was kind of implied and that we weren't really worthy of something. It was like those two attitudes, I think got 
down to me. So it was like, oh, you know, like I can make money. Like money isn't a sin. Let's put no. it that way. <laughs> a funny thing I learned um, is money is an exchange of energy. Oh, that's so, interesting. Because people, people won't give you money unless you give them good energy. If you give them bad energy, they just don't give you money, right? I was yeah. When I was in IT trying to sell stuff, I didn't know what I was talking about. And yeah. Said, yeah. The next time you better research what you're talking about before you actually try and sell me something. <laughs> and so, and that was an exchange of energy because the end of the day it was bad energy. And I think that's, yeah, money's just an exchange of energy. So if you give out good energy, you'll get money. It's kind of works that way. Yeah. And I just, I had no clue how to go about that or, or mm -hmm. asking for it or, or, you know, finding again, like that I had, I didn't really realize my own value and then what I could charge. And so I'm not blaming my parents for that. You know, it's the things that they it's probably grew up with too. early to make sure you don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the beautiful thing is my parents instilled in me, uh, I think just perseverance and mm -hmm. just a work ethic. And I'm, I'm actually very grateful for that. That's the part that I, I mm -hmm. did have younger but yeah i think that whole thing of just not you know realizing there is opportunity mm. and to to really stop comparing and just you know even it's interesting um the my boyfriend that helped me with business i was still this was in my 30s and i was still in the comparison mode with other people and i remember mm. telling him about this lady in town here that also is a fellow musician full-time uh singer and and I was like frustrated because she was getting more gigs. She was getting bigger audiences. And mm -hmm. he said to me, he's like, Tara, why can't you just be happy for her? <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> like, and the other option is go make friends with her and she'll probably tell you she's doing it. I know. And, and it's, <laughs> it's funny because like now I reach out to fellow musicians and things like that. But I just, at the time, it was like I thought it would somehow, you know, put me down mm, if they really were you. doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think at the end of the day, I was something I grew up with was what other people think about is none of your business. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. <laughs> because, it's, it's good. Yeah. Because it makes it funny. It's like, oh, well, I don't really care, you know, really care what they think about me. And so end of the day, most people are just thinking about themselves anyway. They're thinking about what you're thinking about them. You know, like it's like the other way around. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's not what, what you think it is. So, yeah. Cool. I know. Go, oh, go ahead. <laughs> right, so I was going to say, um, we better wrap it up. Otherwise, we're a two-hour podcast. <laughs> That's like, that happens, we get too tired. So right. um, you got anything else you want to tell people? Like, um, if they want to get in touch with you um, and talk about, so who are you looking for? Um, yeah. What, you, what, what would you like? Yeah, if there's any fellow musicians out there, A, first of all, who are also trying to be an entrepreneur and really want to know more about like even booking, especially, um, you can, the best place to reach me actually is just my website. It's tarabriskie.com, T-A-R-A-B-R-U-E-S-K-E. And um, you can reach me there. I have a Facebook page too, Tara B dash Tara Briskie, and I'm on LinkedIn, but I really think my website's the easiest. And so if you are, yeah, if you're a musician who maybe has been struggling with this whole thing of seeing music as a business I you know I'd love to doing some coaching with you or mentoring and um, or otherwise the other thing is is just simply if you're a vocalist that's your that's kind of my other um, set of people that I've helped I'd love to encourage you and give you tools that you can be singing for a long time so because right. those are really my two they, they go hand in hand actually <laughs> ultimately yeah because obviously if you're getting more gigs you want to improve what you do so it's kind of coaching yeah yeah, but yeah, that's the best way. So I'd love to be in touch with you. So Excellent. we'll put up links and everything on the on the um, in the description so people can find you. So I really appreciate you coming along. I think we had a lot of fun. 
Yeah, um, well, thank you. We should probably do it again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You've just been listening to another great Evolvepreneur podcast interview. We hope you enjoyed it. Please visit evolvepreneur.biz today to find out more about our online community and how you can take part.